Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. CIO Talk Radio is sponsored by HP Data Center Services, Cloud Computing Services, and Workplace 360 Services. Are you ready for an instant-on world? Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sunjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Here's Sunjo Gall. Good morning and welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Today's topic is PaaS, which is Platform as a Service, and are the solutions ready and are we ready? Our guest for today's show is Drew Reeves, who is the Vice President and Distinguished Analyst for Gartner. Good morning, Drew. How are you? Morning, Sanjog. Thanks for having me. Um, pleasure is all ours and honored to have you. Uh, now, in terms of your work life, family, business, how's everything? Well, it's gotten a lot better. As a, um, as a life of an analyst, you spend a lot of time talking to customers and on the road some. Uh, it's just nature of the job. But, uh, you know, recently my, my job changed a little bit, and so I get to stay home a bit more. But still, every day, talk to customers um, on the phone, and it's a lot of fun. That's good. So um, now with respect to the topic that we have picked up today, platform as a service, and PaaS is how people call it dearly. Uh, this particular uh, paradigm is not new, and of course, as everybody's going to cloud, this is just yet another one which is uh, going to be looked at, or perhaps people were looking at it, but somehow it did not. it's kind of lukewarm reception to this particular uh, aspect of cloud adoption. What's so special now? Why are people talking about this now? Are we done with the rest of the flavors of cloud, and this looks like the next frontier, the next challenge? Well, I think that in this part of it, what we've seen, I think, in early adoption of cloud are just some of the applications that are a bit easier to move to the cloud and not necessarily required some development or uh, altering of the application. So take infrastructure as a service, for example, the reason for its popularity perhaps early on is because some of the applications that customers uh, wanted to move the to, to the cloud, to the public cloud, were easily forklifted, um, didn't require altering, um, or they could drop the application altogether and use software as a service. They wanted to change the application, replace it, in other words. So rehosting and replacing are a bit easier to migrate to the cloud as opposed to having to revise the application or alter the application, which sometimes is necessary to adopt PaaS. But I, I think it, it's the re, you know the result of a successful adoption cloud paradigm here. I mean, it, it, I think what we're seeing is that over time, these applications that have been moved to the public cloud uh, that are, were easier beginning to dry dry up, and now we're getting more challenges. We're having more um, uh, more uh, sophisticated applications that we'd like to move to the public cloud because we're beginning to trust it more. 
And so, therefore, we want to move a different application to the public cloud, and now PaaS is becoming a, a better alternative than just simply forklifting an application to the public cloud. And so do you think this confidence is uh, well-earned in terms of what we have done in other aspects of cloud? And secondly, is this con- confidence pervasive, pervasive or is it more uh, a select few first adopters that are looking at this as the next challenge they want to take on? Well, I think it's a little bit of, uh, maybe of both. I mean, some um, of the customers that we talk to have, like I said, they've, they've gained confidence in the public cloud. They now are looking for, instead of having to build the entire application stack themselves, which you have to do in infrastructure as a service, or to replace the application with a software as a service solution that might not quite fit exactly what they're trying to do, they now have the confidence that they can try and branch out in a different part of the cloud to customize the application to meet exactly what they want, but yet not have to manage all of the infrastructure underneath. And so they're, they're in some cases, they're branching out. In other cases, customers simply don't either want to manage or don't have the skill set to manage infrastructure as a service. They, they simply don't want to manage the operating system or the application platform itself uh, and they want to have their development organization focus only on the application and not have to manage you know, any of the other underlying infrastructure. And so PaaS has become uh, a place for their focus because it simply requires less operational costs and resources and skill sets. Um, and so the, um, you know, the difference between those two customers uh, is basically ones that feel more confidence and have more confidence in the in their ability to use the cloud, and the other ones simply just don't want to mess with the underlying infrastructure or don't want to replace the application. Now, one is to kind of adopt this because this is the new sexy cool thing. Another is to look at the real business case. When people are looking at uh, reducing costs or uh, building a better experience and scalability, all that is very well uh, justified in a way when you're talking about production environments. But if there are a bunch of coders who are sitting and, and actually coding and or doing things in order to develop the application, there is not truly a rush. And there is, of course, there is some process already created where their code is, uh, they've got multiple versions and, and other things that they need to have in order to go about doing what they're supposed to do. So why even bother? Well, I think there can be a compelling business case to be made. Why bother um, is, again, like I said, there's a certain amount of infrastructure management that people just don't have the skill set to do or don't don't want to do. Um, but also, the, the, having the application platform, all the services that you have to host internally, when you build an application, you're not just building a single, you know, a, a, just a single deliverable. That application, that executable, has to use services underneath the platform, database services, identity services, so forth and so on, that you still have to host internally. All that requires both operational and capital costs. If you can have that platform and its underlying services hosted by someone else who can absorb that cost and give it to you in one single operational cost, well, it simplifies your, your IT environment, right? So if you can write an application to that platform whereby you don't have to run, host, own, and operate all of those other services underneath, then I think you can make a compelling business case as to why you would want to use PaaS over hosting all that internally. And secondly, from a development um, pace standpoint, I think you can also make a compelling case for PaaS because, again, internally having to host all of those, app, uh, those, those the application platform and all of its services 
as well as um, run the development and test organization to bring an application to bear uh, requires even additional uh, people and a, you know, a, a QA organization as well as their own environment. And if you can put that out in the public cloud as well, then you have an even better, stronger, compelling case to use public cloud and pass. Now, when you went about, uh, you know, polling the re- the companies who either you may have guided uh, as an analyst uh, organization or even otherwise polled to see how they have uh, built their business case and what was the math, how much of an incremental positive, uh, you can say, difference was there when you were handling all this internally with already, say, a development server bought 10 years ago, but it is still humming because you're not putting that much load on it? versus moving everything onto a, a past type of uh, infrastructure. Was there truly a net positive business case, or this was more hinging upon the simplification of well, the whole process? It's a good question. I mean, most of the time, uh, I would say customers were more interested in agility than cost savings because there is some operational cost. I mean, let's be, let's be frank here. The, there is certain operational cost and skill sets required to manage your, you know, your, your assets that you put, put in the public cloud. When you put an application in the public cloud, it isn't just run and forget. You have um, things to, you know, to manage. And if you're going to build in higher availability, if you're going to do test and dev on the cloud, all those things that you, you, that you want to do in the cloud, in the public cloud, are going to cost you money because the providers have to recoup their cost as you use their infrastructure. And so I wouldn't say that the, Cost differentiation was obvious at first. I think you have to have an internal cost model and know how much it, your infrastructure is costing you internally before mm-hmm. you can make a decision as to whether cost is the uh, actual reason why you went to the cloud. But most customers have a uh, are looking at the agility that it, it provides them. Many of the business case business users that they are supporting with their applications are asking and demanding their IT organization and the development organization to bring the application to bear faster than they ever have before um, because of the volatility of markets or because they're trying to capitalize on, on certain opportunities in the market. The business people are saying, look, I need this application done in a matter of days or you know, certainly weeks, whereas we're, I think, in IT used to doing it and bringing it to bear in a matter of weeks or months. And so the agility that's afforded the IT organization without the investment in capital resources that the cloud provides is the main reason why many customers that I talk to are, are using the public cloud. Now, one is the initial uh, intent, of course, which is to make the organization agile, and that's why you adopt this. And then second is that perceived ROI in the perceived value that gets created. And then another thing is, in, in reality, what is the value truly create, getting created? So has there been a comparison done, and have there really been disappointment, or has there been, um, you know, people have been encouraged with the results that they've seen so far? I, I think there's, by and large, a disappointment on the, on the cost side, and I think it's because it's for two reasons. One is because customers don't generally have an internal cost model. In other words, they don't know how much it really takes for the application to run on their own internal infrastructure, how much cost they have in that. And because they have no, that no cost model, because they don't have a cost model, they're enabled, they don't have a basis of comparison when they begin to get uh, their bill back from their provider in the public cloud. All they do is they, get the, they see the bill back from the pro- provider and they're like, wow, that was more than we really thought it would cost because 
in order to really run an application in the public cloud, it simply isn't just forklift the application and put it into the cloud and kind of run and forget it. Again, there are management costs. There are additional services that you're going to have to use, um, database services, identity service that the public cloud provider is offering. And you're going to have uh, to, if, if you want the application to be highly available, run multiple instances, load balance, snapshots of your data. There's all kinds of things that you'll have to do in order to build in resiliency to make an application um, run at an enterprise level. And so that cost, it begin to add up, begins to add up more than, the, I think, the consumer originally had anticipated. And they, they were shocked by the sticker. And then they looked at internal costs and, and didn't really have an idea of how much it uh, really was costing them to run internally. So they began to get disillusioned about how much the cost in the public cloud uh, really incurred. And so I think customers have been disappointed, but I think um, they've been very much delighted in how agile they can you know, be when they use the public cloud. And so, therefore, I think that the business cost, if they look you know, at the long-term ROI, I think the business cost of, of not being agile and business lost, perhaps, or having the business go around them and take a risk because the business feels like they're not getting their applications developed and brought to market as fast as they want to, is worth, perhaps, even the extra cost that they might incur in the public cloud or not knowing whether or not they're really saving money. So would you, I think customers would, would prefer the agility, at least right now. Now, so do you think, uh, and this kind of brings up an interesting point, and, and uh, if, you, if you look at the last three or four years when people were looking at the only mantra as to save costs, do you think that could have been the reason why, even though there was a perceived benefit in terms of bringing agility, but if, if lights were not even kept on, then God bless all of us. So would you think that is why uh, pass or related initiatives did not, uh, you know, gain steam or did not, were, were not even put on in the, you know, they were not the main focus all along because cost was the main factor. And in this case, if you want to really be successful, then you have to keep cost on the side for a little bit, at least up front, so as to get the overarching long-term benefits. Is that what think, your message is going to be? Yeah, I think that's part of it. But for PaaS in particular, um, because I, I think that what, what, what you just described is that it's basically true for all parts of the cloud. I think cloud, the public cloud could have been adopted a lot faster if the ROI had been better in all cases. But for PaaS in spe- specifically, I think that the cost of changing or altering the application was probably the gating factor. <clears throat> in other words, with infrastructure as a service, uh, again, you could, in, in, not in every case, but it's much easier to forklift your application and put it to infrastructure as a service. With software as a service, it's easier to just completely replace the application. It is the altering of the application uh, that, that really becomes a gating factor for PaaS. Some customers don't even have uh, the skill sets anymore to alter an application that is you know, many, many years old. Uh, some of them don't have enough resources to be able to alter the application in such a way that it would run smoothly in the public cloud. Uh, they might have to split up the application because some parts of the application can run in the public cloud because they're um, less critical, where another part of the application that holds the data might be more critical. And so with PaaS, you have a little bit of this, this idea and thought that I'm going to have to alter the application, even if it's written in the same language, to run in this cloud provider's service because the services that he offers, especially the ones underneath the platform, identity management, authentication, authorization, anything like that, database, is probably going to be different or at least somewhat different than what you're running services underneath your platform internally. And so bringing that application 
from your internal environment to the public cloud environment is going to incur some development costs and some altering of the application, which you may not be able to do. Whereas with infrastructure or software as a service, that that particular degree of change is lessened. And that's the reason why I think PaaS has had some has experienced slower adoption than the others. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And when we come back, let's inventory the different actual application development challenges which we are trying to solve. And then let's roll it up to a business challenge or a set of business challenges, which in turn convert into technical challenges, which in turn we are trying to solve using PaaS. Is there a linkage? Is there a connection? Is there some positive ROI that we can map out for us to say, yes, we are confident that if we invest in it today, perhaps we will be much farther ahead tomorrow. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. We live in an instant-on world, mobile and connected. To compete, you want data center flexibility so you can adapt quickly to changing business needs while keeping information safe. Introducing Enterprise Cloud Compute Services, HP solution for managing secure servers, storage, and networks, delivered as a service. Pay only for what you need. Create order out of chaos. The instant on enterprise is here. Are you ready? Start shaping your cloud at hp.com. We live in an instant on world, mobile, connected, and fluid. Competing in this world takes a special kind of workplace technology that adapts to change, that allows seamless and personalized interaction. Introducing Workplace 360, HP's full lifecycle desktop management solution, delivered as a service. User subscriptions allow you to gain financial control and flexibility. The Instant On Enterprise is here. Are you ready? Visit hp.com for answers. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free 1-866-472-5790. Now back to the show, here's Sanjo Gall. Welcome back. So, uh, Drew, just let's, let's inventory. What are the specific challenges that even... Uh, were surfacing lately, which would prompt someone to look at an alternate solution based on, um, you know, and then basically that becomes the basis of looking at anything new. And PaaS could be one of the contenders in the type of solutions they can use to solve that problem. So just to import the types of application development challenges or just all challenges yeah, because, to the cloud? Yeah, so, so, so let me ask you this. Are we being too simplistic in the prior approach to say, is it only the application development challenges which we need to inventory in order to see are these the only types of challenges that does PASS promise to solve? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not just the development challenges. And, and PASS has the you know some, some other challenges too, but... Um, I think when it comes to uh, development and test, uh, or especially test, um, your release mechanisms, um, your uh, your ability to spin up and spin down in an environment and be able to uh, test all types of different scenarios is something that um, PaaS really can't help you solve. But also, 
uh, again, not having to host the entire infrastructure itself uh, and test uh, and bring to bear an application using the provider services is something that I think is you know is really uh, is really something that PaaS can offer to customers. But it also has, when it comes to there are challenges no matter whether you're internally or externally. And I think the the some of those uh, things that you use to bring an application to bear, such as again source code control, code release mechanisms, regression testing, things like that. Uh, I, I don't recommend that people change their um, environment to or change those processes, but rather take the public cloud and invest the skill sets to bring that um, environment into those existing processes. And to think about cloud as they do their source code control, as they do the regression testing. And I think if they do that, um, as opposed to changing things, it will make the transition to public cloud a lot easier. Now, one of the things that we look at is um, we are trying to build a business case. And another is to also see what are the risks that this could introduce. Now, are we literally taking our whole um, environment, whether it's production and uh, now even development, to the cloud? Are we, are we kind of really introducing a lot of risk, or is this just a fear or a paranoia? Well, it, it, for, it's, PaaS introduces no more risk than I think any other layer of the cloud in, in, the, in those terms. Um, I think when it comes to every single application and or process, you know, would be a development or a test or whatever, that you want to put in the public cloud, you have to make a decision as to what it do a business impact analysis that helps you make a decision as to what is the risk that you're taking. Is it going to if you this particular process or application were to go down, would it cause a loss of life, a loss of brand, a loss of revenue? And because the public cloud represents a loss of control, how long can you do without, without that particular application or that process? Because uh, you're at the mercy of the provider as to when they may bring their service back online, when they have an outage, or if they happen to have corruption of data or loss of data for you to be at their mercy for them to recover that data if they, if they can at all. And so I don't think PaaS introduces any more risk than you, you would normally see find from any other provider. Um, the question, I think, becomes as to you know, looking at the specific application, looking at its requirements, and what, determining whether or not PaaS is the fit for that application environment. Um, we have a document that Richard Watson wrote. Um, he's from our service that it's called Choosing the Right um, Platform for Your Application, Revise, Rehost, Rebuild, Replace. Uh, and, and basically it describes, uh, it's a document that describes how you determine what's the right layer of the cloud for your application. And it walks you through basically the changes that you'd have to make to your application for infrastructure, platform, or software as a service. Now, uh, when we look at this uh, individual application development managers, are they the only ones who uh, are to benefit or uh, get impacted by it? And how does it change a typical day in the life of an app dev manager? Well, they're not the only ones impacted. I think, um, you know, certainly the developer himself is too, and, and, and quality assurance is as well, depending upon how many parts and pieces of the process, the application development process you put into the in the cloud. But I think their life is, is changed. And again, some of these um, processes that they use to bring an application to bear, for example, um, code, re code release and or um, application release mechanisms, do you publish the application straight to the public cloud, um, or do you um, 
run testing inside in, uh, in first, or are you going to put test data in the cloud, or are you going to put production data in the cloud? Those things like that have to be worked out by the development manager, by the production manager, um, QA manager as well, to figure out what pieces and parts of the of the application development process they want to put in the public cloud, maybe all of it, or maybe just some of it, depending upon the criticality of the application or the process. In other words, let's say, let's give an example. So let's say you're doing an application development. <clears throat> and you're a developer. You're running the application internally uh, right now. You're, you're, the, the development environment's hosted internally. And now you're ready to go to, to test. You've got an application that you think is developed. Okay, now how do you take that? application and put it in the public cloud. Well, <clears throat> someone's going to have to take that application and match and marry the services that the internal development was, be, was being, that the development was being done internally and then put that in the public cloud and match those development services. Again, those uh, the database services, identity management service, whatever service the application is going to use, you have to marry and match those. And then also, how do you test that? Do you want to put your test data out there or do you want to put your public data out there? Um, and then uh, eventually, you know, are, you, are you going to release this into a different environment because your production environment in the public cloud is probably going to be different than your, your test environment? So there are things like that that affects the development manager, QA, everybody. Now, when we are looking at these people, who do you think, what, what kind of projects that you feel that somebody would want to move? Or would you say that true value will come when the whole app dev environment is literally lock, stock, and barrel moved to uh, the new environment. If we don't, then we are also spending the operational costs on. Uh, we have we are incurring the operational cost to maintain maintain the legacy environment. At the same time, we are also going on to this new one. So, is it like all or nothing is the only way it would make business sense? No, no, absolutely not. I, I think there are. Um I, I, you know, actually, what I would think w would be the best thing to do, and this is one of the places where PaaS really could mature, would be to have the development environment. Uh, and, and Azure does this to some degree. You have your development environment in .NET. Um, pr you produce the application for one environment or the other. In other words, you can set your target environment as you're developing and then begin to move the application. The, the, actually, the, uh, the, the integrated development environment would produce the application for the right environment and or move services out to that particular uh, cloud provider or utilize the services underneath the platform from that cloud provider automatically. That would be the best way to do it. But, no, it's not an all-or-nothing situation. In fact, uh, we call it hybrid IT, whereby the IT organization uh, uses both an internal, uh, their own internal cloud or their own internal um, uh, private cloud to host critical applications, and then they also use the public cloud for non-critical. And so I think in, in the case of, of customers who have applications that are very critical, they have to have a, a hybrid environment because um, the public cloud is so compelling in some terms of using its agility and some cost savings for applications, but yet has a lot of risk, so they want to put uh, they're non-critical in the public cloud, but yet they still have to have a private cloud, a private pass cloud, in order to host their non-critical, or sorry, their critical applications, because there are just some applications where they cannot trust the provider or they cannot um, afford the risk and loss of their data or their application. So they have to maintain too. Now, in what all areas do you think this whole pass paradigm has been misinterpreted or wrongly understood? by the potential stakeholders and or the adopters? What, what all myths and misnomers exist in this area? 
Well, I think we've misjudged perhaps the portability we, uh, and the lack of, of management that's required still, even in a PaaS environment. I think we, um, perhaps some people believe that the, if they put their application in the public cloud and, and, and it doesn't work for whatever reason, they can bring it right back into their private cloud or vice versa very, very quickly. Even, again, like I said earlier, even if the application is written in the same language, the portability of the services underneath the platform is is can be problematic when trying to move applications between the two. And so I think we've overestimated the portability of of PaaS um, in a same in a same application development environment. Now I think I don't think anyone's under the illusion that moving the application from dot you know dot net and Azure over to say Cloud Foundry or something like that would be an easy task because they realize that the difference in language is a barrier enough. Um, and so I think that's, that's one issue. The other issue is manageability. I think we, you know, we, we feel like because we move the application out to the public cloud that we really don't have to be concerned about the underlying management of the application, whether these services are up, uh, whether or not the application is going to have the same runtime or performance that we would have internally. And I think as customers begin to realize that as they use the cloud more and more and more, their ability to see and manage and the instrumentation to manage the applications in the public cloud isn't quite as high fidelity as they would have had internally. And so their ability to view and manage and control the application in the public cloud is somewhat lessened. It's not uh, impossible by any means. That's not what I'm saying. But it is lessened because you have so much more control internally. And therefore, uh, I think... Uh, Customers have underestimated the amount of work it takes to manage an application that they put in the public cloud. And then finally, one last thing, and that is transparency. We also feel that because uh, PaaS is a has removed us uh, to a degree from the infrastructure that's underneath, that the infrastructure doesn't matter. And to some degree, that's true. But also, I think in order to determine your risk and to understand the performance of the application or the the requirements that you need to build into your application for higher resiliency, you have to understand how the platform is built to uh, to some degree. And so uh, once you begin to run your application in the public cloud and you begin to think about the risk or the resiliency it's required, you then really want to ask the provider more questions about how they implement their service and do they replicate data, Do they, and you begin to dig in further into their details more than I think most people would have thought they would have had to um, using PaaS. So you're saying they should not be asking those questions because if somebody is moving to a new vendor, then they should have had their act together anyway. No, I'm saying they absolutely should ask those questions. Um, transparency is required on the behalf of the provider so that the customer can determine his risk. If you don't understand how the provider implements some of their platform parts and pieces to the degree which you can understand what your risk is, then you're taking an unquantified risk. You're taking a risk that you don't what you don't know what you don't know, and that's more or less foolish. No one should take a risk in that way. But a calculated risk, when you do know how things are run and you do know the resiliency of the platform, and therefore you know how to build your application better, uh, is, a, is a risk worth taking, right, because you know what types of problems you might come up or incur, and therefore you can build your application uh, to, to provide for that type of risk or to account for that kind of risk. Let's take a quick break, listeners, right back, and we'll talk about the changes that we may have to make internally in our organization, whether it's people, process, or technology, in order to move to pass in the, in the event we do 
agree to uh, leverage it to become more agile. But please stay tuned. We'll be right back and explore. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. We live in an instant-on world, mobile, connected, and fluid. Competing in this world takes a special kind of workplace technology that adapts to change, that allows seamless and personalized interaction. Introducing Workplace 360, HP's full lifecycle desktop management solution, delivered as a service. User subscriptions allow you to gain financial control and flexibility. The Instant On Enterprise is here. Are you ready? Visit hp.com for answers. We live in an instant-on world, mobile and connected. To compete, you want data center flexibility so you can adapt quickly to changing business needs while keeping information safe. Introducing Enterprise Cloud Compute Services, HP's solution for managing secure servers, storage, and networks, delivered as a service. Pay only for what you need. Create order out of chaos. The instant-on enterprise is here. Are you ready? Start shaping your cloud at hp.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free 1-866-472-5790. Now back to the show. Here's Sanjo Gall. Welcome back. So uh, while I wanted to ask the question regarding the typical changes in the life and the processes, people process and technology in an adaptive environment in order for us to, uh, you know, adopt pass. But before that, you know, just to extend the conversation that we were having before the break, when we're talking about the risk and the fact that you're going to a provider and asking them, so tell me how you do a certain thing, and then based on that, we calculate risk. It also it kind of indicates that we do not have one set of standards across the solutions that are being offered, and we are almost taking a leap of faith and moving from relatively a stable environment, even though it may not be as agile, to something where we do not have a complete control over. Is, is, is this a savvy thing to do? Well, risk in and of itself is not something we should fear. Um, if risk used appropriately can be a competitive advantage. <clears throat> Again, as I was saying before the break, an unquantified risk, an unknown risk, is, is foolhardy because you're simply taking a leap of faith at, without any um, idea of what the consequences of that leap might be. And so the, the, the idea that there is, it would be a set of criteria or a, a standard by which we could judge cloud providers would be very advantageous and, and the thing to do in the market. And, and I think you've seen some beginnings of that with some of the standards that, that the cloud providers are trying to adhere to with regards to things like uh, ISO 27001, um, SSAE 16, or the old SAS 70 Type 2 compliance. Some of the providers are, are will under NDA show you how they have passed those types of standards. But <clears throat> those standards... Uh, from from them and the ones from say the Cloud Security Alliance, 
tend to focus on uh, either infrastructure or the operations of their data center for the provider or even perhaps some security um, procedures, right? It doesn't, it doesn't, it's not comprehensive enough is what I'm trying to say to evaluate a cloud provider from A to Z, whether or not he's running his database in a way that you would like for it to, or whether or not he's backing up that data, um, what is the resiliency of his network, and, and so forth. And so there are lots of other areas that uh, we don't have a standard, which would be very advantageous to be able to judge a cloud provider. Now, some of the um, people who provide the platforms, such as VMware and Microsoft and, and, and those who are also providers too, uh, are trying to come up with a certification that might be able to provide some customers a little more surety and a little more confidence that the cloud provider is running a you know a resilient cloud, an enterprise grade cloud, if I if I can coin that term, that customers can have um, the surety that that, that the provider is running the, the platform correctly, and provide more transparency for the for the provide the customer to know what the provider is doing, how they're offering their services, so they can quantify that risk. And that's a good thing. That's what we need for the market to do to to evolve and to mature. Now, do you think there is an intent? on behalf of the cloud providers, uh, especially uh, since we're talking about PaaS here, to be able to come to uh, one standard and literally work as a consortium to evolve this into a little more predictable uh, offering so that while there's going to be competition, but any adopter can very safely say, this is what is going to be a standard which is adopted, and they can sleep better at night? Currently, no. That is not done in the market. And if there's anything that you know we could do as perhaps part of this program, just say, look, we, we need the providers. Let's call upon as a call to action to the providers to work together for such a standard so that we can uh, customers can have the surety that when they uh, do at least basic things in the past provider that, that the past provider will um, provide them with the information and the um, confidence that as a uh, customer develops and produces the application and deploys it on their service, that they'll the, the service will be the same across multiple different providers. I'm not saying we shouldn't have differentiation between cloud providers and that every cloud should be the same, but there should be a level of service that every cloud provider, PaaS or otherwise, should be able to offer to a customer and a set of criteria by which you can judge them uh, that they're willing to, to, to be held accountable to so that you can determine your risk. We need that. The cloud providers should be working on it, and currently they're not. So now when we look at the actual, uh, the changes that we were to, you know, the question related to the changes in people, process, and technology internally in order for them to be re- getting ready for this new platform, what would those be? What you have seen people changing and where less or more has helped or uh, created uh, problems in the very adoption of us? Well, the, there are, I mean, there are two statements here. One is, there are definitely organizational changes that the IT organization needs to make in order to adopt and run in the public cloud, whether it's PaaS or, or otherwise. And we call it hybrid IT. And what, what, it, what it really starts with, and this is the strategy IT organizations should think about, is to be the broker between their internal consumers or their applica- you know, their, their, the people who are going to use the application and the cloud services, the Either internal or private or public, the the IT organization should be the broker between those two entities, so that the uh, IT organization can make a better determination 
of where the application could, should run, uh, the risk that they're taking. For example, if a business unit were to come to an IT organization and say, we really need this application. It uh, is critical to our business. Can you please develop it and run it? And we have these parameters for security and for cost. We, the costs need to be kept down. Uh, we don't have a lot of capital. Um, and the application is medium critical. Well, then acting as the broker, the IT organization can make a better decision as to whether or not this application should be hosted on the public cloud or the private cloud and who's the right provider. If the application um, is mostly written or you have a large skill set in .NET and, uh, and the application isn't um, very, very critical to the organization, then perhaps Azure is the right place to run this application. Um, or the application is very critical and the data is um, is confidential. Well, perhaps running um, the application in a private cloud on, uh, on .NET is, is a better way to go. And so, again, acting as the broker, that's a different paradigm, I think, than, than IT has been organized today. In addition to that, there are two other organizations' uh, changes that need to be made. One is there has to be a group that goes out and liaisons with the public cloud providers. Someone has to forge and manage and determine uh, a relationship with uh, with the providers, determine what their their capabilities are, um, learn what their SLAs are, negotiate the terms and conditions with them, and then manage and monitor those providers. That's one. That's another group. And then finally, another group that to create this private cloud whereby the IT organization can host their critical application. Someone has to own, operate, build, and manage that environment um, to you know to that degree. So those are the organizational changes. Now, do you think there have been intellectual property-related breaches just because somebody moved their code base to pass? Have um, you heard of any instances, or do you think there is a risk? I mean, this could be a paranoia, but just to put it on the table. Well, sure, yes, there's a risk, and I and have heard of, of various cases. Um, of course, those are confidential, um, but the um, I think the, the risk is um, certainly mitigatable depending upon, you know, your understanding of the private and or the public cloud. So uh, is there always, there, there's always a risk um, whenever you open yourself up to a place where you have less control and you are beginning to um, have a, a multi-tenant environment where people might have more access uh, to the same infrastructure that you're working on as they are. But um, there are ways to mitigate that risk and feel comfortable about what you're doing. For example, <clears throat> encrypting your data or you know, cyber shredding your data in some cases. Again, um, another uh, way to mitigate your risk would be to uh, understand the capabilities of the provider. This, again, goes back to transparency and understanding how they, well, how long they keep data after you've decided to, do, to delete it. You may have deleted the, the application or the file off of their file system or off of their, their storage services, but we all know that data is going to linger around for a while because storage services don't intentionally or immediately delete the data. They sometimes it lingers. And so you, you have to understand what the processes are for the provider to, to delete that data. So there, there's always going to be risk in that, in that regard, and there have been breaches. Um, but I think the ones, who, the, the, the ones who have mitigated their risk through, again, cyber shredding or, or have used different mechanisms for protecting their data, whether it be VLANing or private clouds and things like that, or even virtual private clouds, can mitigate their risk. Exposure. And, and 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 is there somebody uh, standing behind any such breaches? And the cloud provider is going to say, "I'm going to use my multi-million-dollar insurance to take care of your intellectual property breach," because that could take a company down. Literally. Yeah, the stakes are high. 
so you're hitting on a really point. This is one of the most, in my opinion, one of the most sensitive parts of, of using the public cloud and probably the, the hard, biggest hurdle for us to get over. Um, let me just make one other statement. That is the technical things that we do, whether encryption or snapshotting or things like that, um, backup of our data in order to build in resiliency and to mitigate our risk for exposure or things like that, those technical things will solve over time. The more difficult one to solve is the you know, terms and conditions, legal liability limits that go into the, you know, the contract that you would sign with a provider. Right now, the, the terms and conditions are completely one-sided, and the reason why for that is because, and they're one-sided for the provider. The reason why that is is because if a provider were to, <clears throat> uh, to offer liability uh, or insurance payouts for any uh, infrastructure or liability that he would have on his infrastructure, he would have more um, liability than he would uh, then the income coming in, but in a pay-as-you-go environment. In other words, the customers are only paying as they go, and they're not giving um, a long-term revenue promise to the provider. And because of that, his uh, he has to mitigate his risk. He's only going to get a few pennies or a few dollars on the uh, uh, per hour of usage of his platform, and so he's not he doesn't know whether or not he's going to get future revenue. And so therefore, he has to indemnify himself because if he carried liability for a million-dollar application from every single customer, he would have billions of dollars of liability on his, on his service and would never be able to afford the insurance premiums for that. On the other hand, if a customer has all the liability, he will never put a critical application in the public cloud because he's basically self-insuring. So what, what has to happen, Sanjo, is, is there has to be shared liability in terms of conditions. That means the provider has to give some on the liability side and be willing to take some of, some of the cost, absorb some of the cost in the case that he is negligent or isn't running his, uh, his cloud correctly or some fault not due to the provi- to consumer that there was a breach. On the other hand, the consumer has to have some liability as well because he's taking a risk in running um, on someone else's infrastructure. That, the liability has to be shared. Now, uh, when when we talk about uh, liability, of course, that's one thing. Another is that people introduce risks sometimes. So in what all areas do you think the solutions today are not fully cooked yet and or maybe introducing risk knowingly because it's not that they don't want to plug the holes. It's more the maturity, that maturity curve that it's riding and it's not there yet. And, and similarly on the customer side, where all are people knowingly, not intentionally, but knowingly just taking the leap of faith and knowing that this is introducing the risk and this could come and backfire? So, I mean, people are knowingly taking risks when they feel like <clears throat> that the cost to mitigate the risk is greater than perhaps the value of the risk it's, you know, the, the risk that they're taking. Um, there, Certainly, there are a lot of people who I would say are whistling past the graveyard. They're ignoring the risk almost willfully in order because they, they, they're so enamored by the agility. And I think it comes in, it, it's, it's easier to do that in applications that are easily migrated to the cloud or, or, or applications that are very horizontal in nature. Email is one of those that I think customers take way too much risk with because there's no way to determine who's writing what in an email and whether or not it's going to be, you know, it's going to be sensitive data, but yet they take the leap of faith to use the public cloud. And, and in, in, that, in any application uh, that you want to host in, say, PaaS, where you don't know and have good insight into how the users are using the app or, or what data that they're creating or the sensitivity of the data that they're creating, um, I think a lot of IT organizations are, are simply just ignoring that risk because 
they are getting such pressure from the, con- the consumer side, from their business units, to create this agility that uh, the agility is, is outweighing right now the, the risk that uh, customers should be looking at in order to determine whether or not you know, the, the application is going to go down or whether they'll have a breach of data and, and whether they'll lose their, their business. So there's, there's quite a bit of that going on. It, again, it just depends upon uh, the, the customer's risk tolerance. And I think right now their risk tolerance is low because the need for agility is so high. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. And we will look at both sides, where uh, what can be done and what should not be done by the customers and the solution providers. And let's inventory the type of solutions that are available. How are they meeting the needs? How are they promising? And how, in reality, are they meeting the needs? And where are the gaps? And on the other side, what type of demands are being made by the customers with respect to platform as a service and how many of those are realistic today and can be handled today and how many of those will be will will have to wait please stay tuned we'll be right back the future of online tv is here view exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else visit voiceamerica.tv today in an instant on world mobile and connected to compete you want data center flexibility so you can adapt quickly to changing business needs while keeping information safe introducing enterprise cloud compute services hp solution for managing secure servers storage and networks delivered as a service pay only for what you need create order out of chaos the instant on enterprise is here are you ready start shaping your cloud at hp.com We live in an instant-on world, mobile, connected, and fluid. Competing in this world takes a special kind of workplace technology that adapts to change, that allows seamless and personalized interaction. Introducing Workplace 360, HP's full lifecycle desktop management solution, delivered as a service. User subscriptions allow you to gain financial control and flexibility. The instant-on enterprise is here. Are you ready? Visit HP.com for answers. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free 1-866-472-5790. Now back to the show, here's Sanjo Gall. So, uh, Drew, in this case, what we are going to do is, we got last segment, like to understand what are some of the customer demands or expectations from the past platform, which could be seen as unrealistic and or perhaps they're not realistic today, but could be, you know, possible tomorrow. And on the other side, when we are looking at vendor solutions, where all are these not fully cooked yet? What is yet to arrive and, and where all we have hope versus where some of the things are already looking like they're going to remain a chronic issue? Okay. 
Well, I, I think customers, um, their expectations of the providers are a, a little unrealistic in terms of the, um, I think they, they go into the idea with the cloud that they're going to save a lot of money, and, and that's just not the case. It was past providers uh, as well as infrastructure or, or software as a service providers. And I think cap, capital costs definitely they can save money, but the operational costs are perhaps more than they than they realized. And I think they, they also believe that the, the past providers will have all the services that an application would want, again, directory services, database services, encryption services, you know, the list goes on and on, and that the past provider will have all those um, underneath his platform that an application can use. So all the, um, the only thing that the IT organization needs to do is just write the application and be done, and therefore uh, they, they become disillusioned when they realize the PaaS provider doesn't have all the services or the services aren't the quality that the application or the, has the fidelity that the application really wants. And so when you look at it holistically and you say, well, I didn't really save the operational cost as much as I thought I did, I do have to alter the application some, and it's not as easy to manage as I thought, and yet I didn't get all the services that I want and need, and they really become disillusioned about whether or not the cloud provider is, is really providing the, the level of service that they want um, because they eventually have to uh, instantiate those services that the application is going to use in the public cloud. For example, they may have to instantiate a directory service in the public cloud and move all their identities out to the public cloud or something of that nature. Or they'll have to offer the application in such a way that the application will authenticate back to a directory service they're hosted in their private cloud. And so they're just not prepared for those types of changes. I think there's a little bit of disillusionment that I'm just going to write the application, it's going to run the public cloud, the PaaS provider, he'll take care of everything else after that. And it's just simply not the case. So, so you're saying that if we had to move forward, uh, would there be any expectations that you'd like to specifically set for the potential customers who are uh, venturing into this new platform as a service arena? Sure. Uh, I think, the first of all, be reasonable about the terms and conditions liability. We talked about that a little bit. Um, you're going to run into uh, providers who are going to um, identify themselves from everything. But, but, but when it comes to the application itself, uh, be prepared to alter the application more than, than you're probably uh, first, at first blush being uh, prepared to do because you're going to run into situations with this cloud provider whereby <clears throat> you just won't have the level of service yet in the, in the places where your application may have a specific requirement. Again, not sure what every, you know, not knowing what every single application service might require, every application is different. And therefore, the provider may not have all of the services underneath the platform that your application needs. And therefore, you're going to have to instantiate that service out in the public cloud, or you're going to have to alter the application in such a way that that, that application can reach the service that's hosted back in your public cloud. That's probably the biggest shocker I think that most customers run into is, oh, I didn't realize how much I'm going to have to change my application, or I didn't realize how, um, how in... Uh, how much the provider's service didn't meet my application's needs. Now, what's your appeal to the uh, providers, the past providers? There are only a handful of those today. I'm sure there would be more when they see more money in the game. What is it that they got to do better in order for them to eventually gain uh, or earn the trust and eventually the business? 
Well, they do have to be more transparent. That's for sure. I think customers are are asking the providers questions. The providers at, at first stance are, are saying, well, you know, you don't need to know that, Mr. Customer. The cloud is supposed to be opaque to you and let us worry about these details. And the customers are not willing to take that risk. That's Just be a little bit more open with what I would say to the providers. And to provide <clears throat> that set of criteria, that standard that we talked about, by which customers can judge providers and or um, begin to see the, the light at the end of the tunnel, if you will, where they can get better portability between, between different providers. But also, I would say that probably more than anything, application uh, platform as a service providers need to help customers be able to migrate their, their internal environment out to the public cloud. There's a lack of <clears throat> services, professional services, lack of tools to help customers move their application and all of its services um, that the application uses either out to the public cloud or to take that application and plug in to the environment that uses the provider's underlying services. So if you have a database that you're using and running privately, do you take that database and host it publicly in the cloud because your application needs it? Or is it enough to move the data out to the database service that the cloud provider is using and simply have the application use the database from the provider? That's the, it, it's not straightforward for customers, and it's not easy for customers. And so that migration would really, really help. Migration services or tools would really help. On behalf of the show and our listeners, I really thank you, Drew. You brought in a lot of insights and uh, information about the trends related to PaaS, the way it works, or the way that there are challenges both from the cloud providers as well as the customer standpoint. It looks like that it is yet another uphill battle for the time being, at least, before there is an inherent trust built between the two parties, the buyer and the seller. And then, of course, there are some challenges technologically. But hopefully there is going to be uh, an adoption as well as improvement in the way this uh, pass provides value to its end customers. Thank you so much again, Drew. My pleasure. Thank you, Sanjay. Uh, listeners, if you had any questions or thoughts, please send us to views at ciotalkradio.com. That is views at ciotalkradio.com. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjay All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Join Sunjal Gall next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific for another hour of CIO Talk Radio. CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by Citrix, offering go-to assist, remote support made easy. CIO Talk Radio is sponsored by HP Data Center Services, Cloud Computing Services, and Workplace 360 Services. Are you ready for an instant-on 